Is idealism in the church a good thing? Are dreams and visions actually helpful for the Christian community? I'm Dennis Metzler and welcome to The Charge. Called to Community, The Life Jesus Wants for His People is an anthology containing writings from some of the greatest Christian thinkers and practitioners in modern times. Included is a chapter by Dietrich Bonhoeffer entitled Idealism, taken from the classic Life Together. Bonhoeffer has some essential insights into the ongoing life and growth of Christian communities. In Life Together, first published in 1939 out of Bonhoeffer's experience leading German seminarians at Finkenwalde, he focuses on the negative aspects of visionary dreamers, those believers who are serious and committed all too often are overly attached to their own vision which they bring to the community. The individual is so sure that their ideas are what will bring greater flourishing to the community. Yet, instead, social and emotional distance, misunderstanding, bitterness, and loneliness are the outcome. Bonhoeffer's solution in this case is disillusionment in the most literal sense of the word. He writes, Just as surely as God desires to lead us to knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely must we be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and, if we are fortunate, with ourselves. End quote. The dreamer who seeks to refashion community in their own image and according to their own ideals must be transformed by having their vision, that is, their illusion, shattered. Their so-called vision stands in the way of them seeing sisters and brothers and themselves as they truly are. People are so fallible, but if we see with eyes of faith, that only makes redemption sweeter. But wait, we need to stop here and think about this. Surely, we need visionaries to start communities, and we need dreamers to offer new ideas and insights further down the road. Communities will eventually be in need of reforming. Previously unknown ideas and solutions should be welcomed from the newer people. Don't we want to cultivate a climate within the church and Christian communities where visionary dreaming is encouraged? The fellowship does indeed need to cultivate an environment that is friendly to visionaries. Innovation and creativity are to be encouraged. Ultimately, discernment and dreaming must be emphasized side by side. But here, Bonhoeffer is not anti-visionary per se. He is simply broadcasting the dangers that come with those who have not surrendered themselves and their idealism to God. There is all the difference in the world between one who truly receives a vision from God and one who tries to impose a vision on others that was simply forged out of their own self-justification and self-importance. So, yes, these self-willed visions need to be sacrificed, 
And yes, the community must be very merciful and understanding in how they relate to the individual as they are suffering through the disintegration of their vision. And even people who are pushing their own distorted vision out of a bad spirit still may be gifted as visionaries, though still immature. The more mature sisters and brothers need to affirm the true parts of the vision and are to encourage the visionary to grow in humble discipleship. This way, any visionary gifting they have flows naturally out of servanthood. It is key that the assembly doesn't attempt to obliterate other people's dreams, no matter how naive or self-centered they seem to be. The majority party of the fellowship can so easily become coercive and manipulative as it tries too hard to help the Holy Spirit with the dreamer's process of disillusionment. The idealist must experience this disillusionment as coming from the Spirit. Otherwise, social tensions around this issue will only be exacerbated. In these situations, the visionary dreamer can easily feel misunderstood and uncared for and thereby move deeper into a self-justifying victim stance. It is the forgiving embrace of the community that is ultimately redemptive. The prime danger that Bonhoeffer sees with immature visionaries is their lack of acceptance and love for the sisters and brothers. The visionary is always so aware of the sins and shortcomings of others and so certain that their ideas are the solution. Bonhoeffer writes, He who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. End quote. The visionary may well be more concerned with converting people to their way of thinking rather than truly loving people for their own sake and truly accepting them as they are. People can readily sense the duplicity, confusion, and insecurity that comes through these pseudo-visionaries. Bonhoeffer declares, God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Bonhoeffer does not pull any punches. He does not moderate or qualify his language. Yet, Jesus frequently used hyperbole, so Bonhoeffer here is in good company. The very thing that the dreamer justifies himself by is what God hates. God will not countenance the seeking of salvation through human merit, accomplishments, or ideas. God paid the ultimate price for our justification at the cross and he staunchly opposes anything that stands in the way of his people putting their faith in the finished work of Christ. In the midst of a community that this visionary is quickly so frustrated by, in the words of Bonhoeffer, he becomes first an accuser of his brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself. End quote. The idealist is convinced that accusation is necessary to get people to change, or he is at least self-justified in casting blame where it is supposedly due. Yet the visionary inevitably can't stand themselves because they are continually made aware 
that their own standards are an impossible demand. They can't save the community, and they can't even save themselves. Bonhoeffer gets back to core theology, what God has done in Christ for the sake of his people. He states, because God has already laid the only foundation of our fellowship, because God has bound us together in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ, long before we entered into common life with them, we enter into that common life not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. End quote. This is so rich. God has prepared a way for us to be sisters and brothers together through his loving sacrifice and eternal power and his vision, he has made us into one body. We are somehow joined to each other in Christ even before we get to know one another, even before we rub each other the wrong way and discover how offensive other believers can be up close. We have this common life created for us, which we enter through faith. But more than that, we enter into relationships and maintain relationships, not through trying to get others to live up to our standards and dreams, but through thanksgiving. And Bonhoeffer is very clearly talking about being thankful for all the other members of our community, especially the ones that we may despise. We need to be thankful for those who seem most opposed to the fulfillment of our personal vision for the community. Our thankfulness takes the focus off our dreams and our accomplishments, as well as taking the focus off the disappointments rising from the shortcomings, perceived or real, of others, ourselves, and even God. Bonhoeffer continues, Thus, the very hour of disillusionment with my brother becomes incomparably salutary because it so thoroughly teaches me that neither of us can ever live by our own words and deeds, but only by the one word and deed which really binds us together, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. End quote. In thankfulness, we look to Jesus and his cross to bring what we need most in community, the forgiveness of sins. It is by a power greater than ourselves that the reconciled life in community is made possible. It is not about comparing my words and deeds with those of the brother that I compete with or resent, but by focusing on the word made flesh in his singular supreme deed, that is, the cross, that I see the other as my true and beloved brother. We must realize that it is not so much our ideas or our efforts that create the possibility of truly living as the family of God. We cannot force the Spirit to move. We cannot compel love to be present between believers. Rather, we are called to humbly present ourselves as faithful servants and to watch what God does. Bonhoeffer avers, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. End quote. But the winds of Pentecost are still blowing in the community of believers. This takes faith to see when it seems as if only our plans and our efforts count for something. 
we are to be overwhelmed with thankfulness and joy as participants in the work of the Spirit. As Peter says, we are partakers of the divine nature. We are caught up together in Christ, and through this, the life of forgiveness and reconciliation is possible. And according to Jesus in John 17, it is our love for each other that is the essential apologetic for our faith and therefore the foundation for our mission to the world. That means that Catholics, Orthodox, Free Church, and Protestants have to be willing to repent of the doctrines, practices, and yes, the visions and dreams which make reconciliation throughout the church universal impossible. Inasmuch as we are reconciled to God through Christ and through the Spirit reconciled to each other, so we are able to joyfully function as non-violence embracing ambassadors to the world, gladly making known the death and resurrection of Christ, even with signs and wonders, as the basis for our redemption and shalom, the foundation of the new creation. This is the vision of the kingdom of God. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm Dennis Metzler, and you've been listening to The Charge. We've got a lot more podcasts, so please check them out. Peace to everyone.